Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. So uh, we're in the book of Ephesians. I think uh, there was a number of you here last week, but for those who weren't here, by the way, good morning. Good morning. As a quick intro, um, for those who perhaps weren't here last week, Apostle Paul wrote 13 letters to 10 churches of the New Testament in the New Testament. And if you choose to credit Paul as the author of Hebrews, well, that's 14 letters. Pastor Christian said last week, Paul wrote 60% of the New Testament. That's amazing, isn't it? And, and, and it's amazing because, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm rusty at this stuff. <clears throat> and I've got no idea what I was just about to say. And it was brilliant. 60%. <laughs> You said it. I'm just repeating it. 60%. You know what really is amazing? Wouldn't you think that one of the people who were 24-7 with Jesus for three, three and a half years, wouldn't you think they would have been the one who had written 60%? Yeah, yeah. But, but it wasn't. It was a Johnny come lately like you and me. Yeah. And not only that, he had some history. Yeah. 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 I'm looking around, I'm guessing that some of you have. That's a mystery. <laughs> We've all had history. Let's talk about Ephesus before we get into the book of Ephesians. Again, as Pastor uh, Christian uh, explained last week, Ephesus was a, uh, a hub, a commercial hub. Uh, a harbour city of significance, uh, located on the west coast of uh, what we now call um, Turkey. And it was not just a uh, city of importance, it was considered the most important Greek city at the time. It was receiving uh, sailing vessels travelling from the east and from the west, they gathering this place called Ephesus, transporting and trading goods of all types. And as a result, of course, it was affluent. Mm. Got to be careful when you say that. It's easy to say another word. <laughs> it's, it was affluent, educated and sophisticated, much like the Sunshine Coast. By the way, Ephesus, it actually means desirable. Did you know that? I didn't know that until this week. Ephesus means desirable. And in many ways, it was a very pleasant place to live again, much like the Sunshine Coast. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had uh, evangelised in the region uh, for some time and had played an essential role in the uh, church's early uh, life in Ephesus. He later appointed his protege, who he originally appointed to be the pastor that took over from him. His protege. There's, there's kind of two proteges that are very obvious when we say that, but it was Timothy. Could be Titus, but it was Timothy. And then after that, I didn't know this either. The Apostle John took over as a senior role um, because the Apostle John had been uh, serving in that area for and, and in that particular church for some time. And um, Paul visited two more times before writing this his epistle to the church, which is what the, the letter that we're actually writing the reading from. Um, and uh, but he wrote that letter when he was in prison in one of his numerous prisons, um, seasons. And I like to refer to the book of Ephesians 
and the book of Romans as apostles' luminary uh, books of the New Testament. And, and these are the books, and the reason I say that is these are the books that produce those wonderful light bulb moments of rhema revelation. You know what I mean when I say that, don't you? You know those transformational but God moments yeah. where God intervenes and your whole world changes. Yeah. I think that just happened. Yeah. I've just heard some you know testimony this morning. I think that your world just changed. Yeah. And, and, and it's all some of those changes, some of those but God moments in our lives, it doesn't just change our current world, it changes our everything, yeah. future world. True. And and church <clears throat> clearly. As each year goes past and I start to forget things like picking up the microphone and I start to have some of the stuff on my head not growing and other stuff along here and here growing at a rate, <laughs> certain things have become increasingly important to me. Please understand my heart, for all of us, including me, is that we walk daily experiencing the things God intended. Yeah. I, 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 one, one thing I've learned is life is short yeah. on this earth. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I sat for a moment. Can I just be a proud dad for a moment? Yeah. I sat for a moment with Kirk before the service, about I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes before the service. And the guys were worshipping, practicing. They were up here doing their stuff, getting it as best they possibly could, perfecting their skills. And I watched Kirk as he was helping with you know, the technology. And he was seeing every word of every praise song and mm -hmm. worship song. And I think, man, I remember the moment he was born. Our first son, our first child. One of the best moments in my life. Only equal by his three siblings. <laughs> he always thought he was a favourite. <laughs> <laughs> I want I, I want this morning for you to know that God doesn't want this just to be another attendance for you. I really believe that. I advocate that the letters Paul wrote to the churches in Ephesus and in Rome should be game changers for all Christians. Yeah. But sadly, sadly I know this incredible blessing does not appear to be the reality for many of us. So before we unpack Ephesians chapter 2, we'll get to it, don't worry. <clears throat> I believe God's been leading me for the last few days, been leading me to ask the question, why? Why are we not experiencing the blessings of the totality of God's promises? Why are we not reigning in life? I mean, it seems like you're in a season where you're kind of reigning in life. Hallelujah. God bless you. But sometimes we're not. I'm having a pretty good time at the moment too, but sometimes we're not. Why does it seem that some of us lack joy? 
Why? We're not experiencing the fullness of God's plan for us. And the answer is simple. It's far too simple. It's just sad. We need to decide whose words, whose words we believe. To maximise the impacting truths found in the book of Ephesians and in the book of Romans, we need to believe, begin, sorry, we need to begin reconsidering some truths from Genesis. Let me remind you of Genesis chapter 1, the first few words of the Bible, which is a declaration. God declares something. He says this, that we can all read, but more importantly, that we can all get. He says, in the beginning, God. Now, somebody else wrote it down, was scrubbed it into a rock or it... You know, eventually you come onto a scroll and a few days on, a few years, now it's digital. But what? What was there before? Nothing. Nothing was before. No one, no being, no thing, no place, no nothing. That's God's declaration. That's God's word. That's the first truth that we must believe. Now, I'm not going to go through all the others. I'm just letting you know. That's the first one. That if we haven't locked into that, if we're struggling in any way to think that there was something before when God says, in the beginning, then we're saying that God's a liar. And I can assure you, God's not a liar. But then we come to man in Genesis. Well, he really messed up big time in chapter 3, didn't he? Listen to these words again. Just first one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, Has God indeed says, another version says, Did God truly say? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now we know what happens next. They both ate of it. They both ate of that fruit. Let's jump down to chapter, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the days. Another version says, as was his habit. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? As if he didn't know. But he said, where are you? Because he's always wanting us to engage. He wants us to be intimately engaged with him. So he said, that's Adam this time. Yeah. I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman that you gave to me, you, you gave to me with me, the woman, she gave me up the tree and I ate. Here's a crunch right there, church. You're quite bunch. 
Come on. I don't know if you don't laugh at the stuff, but yeah, come on, get excited when you know. Here's the crunch right there. We see the first transformational moment recorded between God and humanity. Something changed in an instant. Until that moment, from man's perspective, God's word reigned. And right there, right there. Mankind decided that his own words were worthy of belief. And the, 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 oh man. the devil had used confusion to cause doubt. Satan corrupted them by persuading them to doubt God's word. The competition between God's word and man's word starts right then and there. And that competition has continued until today and will continue until, continue until the return of Jesus. Within just a few minutes, mankind went from believing the words of God to believing their own words. We are... <coughs> oh, that's true for even Christians, isn't it? Come on, how often do we struggle with doing something we know God wants us to do? Yeah, it's true. How often is there instruction that we're not following? We allow our feelings and our circumstances to determine our thinking. We choose to believe that our thoughts must be right. We say we believe in God, and yet the reality remains that we act out of our thinking or react to our thinking. This wrongful thinking is our reality. Even when we recognise that our thinking is founded upon our feelings, which are directly linked to our circumstances, as if God can't change your circumstances. Yeah. Well, at least the front rows of life. <laughs> we manifest the power. So yeah, we see the manifest power of God. Sorry, on so many occasions throughout the world. Just a couple of them. We've already mentioned one. The, Genesis 1, the creation of the universe from nothing. Exodus 14, the party of the Red Sea, um, to enable the safe exit of the uh, Israelites. In Matthew 8 and chapter 9, Mark 10, uh, we see Jesus healing the sick, the blind, the, the, the paralytic, the demon possessed. In Matthew, God bless you. Sorry. You're right. Somebody in the back start praying for this man. In Matthew 9, uh, John 11, 1 Corinthians 15, we see Jesus, the resurrection of the... Normally I don't scare people like that. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, uh, we see uh, in Ephesians 2, we see the transformation of sinners into saints. So one last question before we unpack Ephesians chapter 2. One last question before we get to hear... God's word again today, as God speaks to us today, and I'm saying this to myself as I'm saying to you, as God speaks to us today, as we read his word and listen to his word, while still conscious of our own feelings produced thinking, whose word are we going to believe? So let's get into it. We're going to be looking through the lens of the new uh, King James Version, and I'll start to read. And you, he made a lot. They used to be up there, but we, we don't have it up there anymore. Yeah, anyway. oh. It's up there. <laughs> and you, he made alive, uh, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in uh, which we, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of, our, of the flesh and of the mind. 
and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up <clears throat> together, and made us to sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, church, there are another 12 verses. There are another 12 verses that I'm going to trust that you will go away and read later on. But let us just focus on those first 10 verses because you know what? We could do a series uh, on, on these first 10 verses that could go, you know, seriously, could go on for at least a month, maybe two, just on those 10 words. Verse 1. And he made us alive again who were dead in trespasses and sins. Paul is writing to who? Who is in this church of Ephesus? Paul was writing to the Gentile believers, to Christians. They were not Jewish. They had not been raised knowing the things of God revealed in the Pentateuch or the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. These were converts living in a city of idols and false gods. Paul begins by reminding them of their spiritual history, just like our spiritual history. We were once spiritually dead. Now, we've got to wrap our minds around this, 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 this truth. We were like corpse-like dead. I've had to do a few funerals over the time. And, you know, sometimes... Uh, the family wants you to go with them to the the uh, to, to the director's funeral director's place, and they'll have an open corpse, open casket with a corpse. And the corpse is really damn nice. You know, they put such good makeup on, and, you know, the best clothing they can. And you get to hear some some interesting things that families in grief and distress say. They'll start talking, then they might turn and say, shh. They might hear us. They're dead. We were spiritually dead. We were wholly separated from God. We couldn't walk with God. We couldn't talk with God. We couldn't experience His supernatural power. We had no access to that. We couldn't experience His love. We had no access to that. We didn't know the plans that He had for us. We had no hope. We were trespassers and sinners. But now, now we know and understand sin. We understand sin's just missing the mark, whether we're trying to hit it or we don't even know that we're missing the target. But we were dead. We didn't even know there was a target. We were born with sin in our spiritual DNA. We didn't know that there was a target. We just were sinners. But in verse 1, Paul rightfully points out that we were not only sinners, but we were trespassers. And there's a difference between the sinner and the trespasser. A sinner, like a child. Our beautiful children that just went out 
into kids' church. Sometimes children do things, particularly in the first couple of years. They do things which are just wrong. You know, you've just polished that beautiful timber floor or, 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 or that, that tiled floor or that. You've just cleaned the basin, you know. And they come along and mess up. They miss the mark of cleanliness and tidiness and pride. Good thing they miss that one. <laughs> but a trespasser knowingly trespasses. A trespasser knows the rules but still trespasses. If, if I had time, I'd tell you, I'd, I'd tell you a story. <laughs> well, I'll, t I'll take it anyway. Yeah. Do you, you, you know what today is? I know you know that it's Sunday and we're here in church, but you know why it's such a significant Sunday? And in fact, me standing here today is a hugely <coughs> significant moment. Today is Baptist. Oh, yeah. 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 And I, I didn't. Yeah, I know. I know you wouldn't. I do. <laughs> Kurt's got it on screen. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm getting all the family secrets out today. <laughs> when Sue was in the uh, college or the university right next door to the Baptist track, back in the days, we're talking now 76, late 76, 77, 78. <clears throat> Bit of 79. Uh, security around Baffus track, the races, wasn't as tight as it is today. <laughs> I mean, today, seriously, going to the airport is nothing compared to trying to get into Baffus. They, 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 every esky, every bag, I mean, they want to know what's going on. Well, back then, we, we could kind of just get under the fence <laughs> and walk straight across and join in everything that everybody else has paid tickets for. <laughs> now, we were trespassers. Like, come on, I wasn't saved. <laughs> come on, Shell. Give me a break. <laughs> I knew that it was wrong, but I trespassed yeah. anyway. And that's what, what Paul's talking about here. In verses 2 and 3, Paul um, sustains his argument of uh, his accusation of trespassing. He wrote this, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit of who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also all once walked, conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. I wanted to go see those cars. End of the mind. And were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Speaking through Paul, God reminds us of our history, our history of fallings and failings, our history of hopelessness. Without God, we were lost, wandering through life without purpose, meandering from one stumble to another, ignorant of spiritual eternity, not even knowing that we we're in a bog hole of mess. But God, thank God for verses 4 through 10. By the way, yeah. that phrase, but God, yeah. who can tell me how many times it appears in the Bible? Four. Four? That's a tithe. 43. <laughs> now, some people say four to five because there's a couple of translations that actually put uh, it in there, but most don't. 43. 43 times in the Bible. It's a powerful phrase used in context with the awesome power of God. 43 game-changing moments. 
and we find ourselves at verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even though we were dead in trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Do we get that? Yeah. Made us alive together with Christ. The moment that we say yes to Jesus and invite him to our heart as Lord and Saviour, we're resurrected from being spiritually dead just as Jesus was resurrected from the grave. That's what that means. That's what we need to get. Friends, this side of being in the throne room of God will never fully understand, fully appreciate the measure of the richness of God's mercy and love for us. We were lost souls, sinners and trespassers, wandering hopelessly without purpose, without directionlessness in our ignorance, but God made us alive. Consider it this way. He reanimated us. He took us from being flat out dead and he rebirthed us. And finally, we can appreciate his excellent plan declared in Genesis 1.26 where he said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Church, think about that. This is awesome. This is truly awesome. I mean, undoubtedly the most awesome, best news ever for mankind. The transformation, the transformational reversing of Adam's trans. That had ruined it for everyone. I'll say that again. It was the transformational reversing of Adam's transgression which had ruined it for everyone. That's the translational miracle Paul is prosecuting here in Ephesians chapter 2 when he writes, even when you were dead in trespasses, you were made alive with Christ. By grace you were saved. When Adam and Eve screwed up, we all, apart from Jesus, came under the power and influence of Satan. We reflected Satan. In a way, we became the likeness of Satan in our thinking, our desires, our behaviour. But by grace, we've been rebirthed back into the likeness of God. This is good news. Once eternally lost, we're now enabled and more importantly, we're empowered to fulfill his purpose and plans. We transitioned from Death Valley to Graceland at the moment we were saved. Through the resurrection of Christ and the New Testament expositions of truth, we can now fully reignite the passion and pleasure of Adam and Eve experience, that Adam and Eve experiences in the cool of the evening, in the Garden of Eden, when they can walk and talk with God. We can get to know God once again. We can learn and understand his perfection. We can learn and understand his purpose, his power, his personality. Oh, we can learn and understand his plans, his principles, his practices, and most importantly, his promises. Church, the evidence for my enthusiasm is present in verses 6 and 7 in Ephesians. It says this, And he raised us up together and made us sit in the heavenly places in Christ, in that the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in the kindness um, towards us in Christ Jesus. Note the word there, ages. Not an age, but the ages. That's right. 
right now, next week, next month, next decade, and throughout eternity. That's the fruit of the promise. And if that's not good enough, friends, the best is yet to come. We get to verses 8, 9, and 10. By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, in which he prepared beyond beforehand uh, that we should walk in them. Here's the biggest miracle of all time, in my opinion. In my opinion, it's even more significant than creation. I say it's outrageous. I say it's phenomenal. I'm saved despite myself. I'm saved irrespective of my past. I'm saved without having any competence or capacity to assist in me being saved. I'm saved without doing anything good. My sins and trends, trespasses, disable me from possessing any ability to contribute to my salvation. But by God's grace, by his gift of unmerited favour, I am saved. My incompetence, incapacity, ignorance and stupidity prove to be no obstacles to me receiving his gift. Brothers and sisters in Christ, those seven declarations I just spoke out or something similar should be the regular declarations of every Christian. Church, for the confirmation's sake, please allow me just to cross-reference quickly uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 to another but God intervention in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, but God demonstrates his love towards us in the one, while we were still sinners, God, God Christ died for us. These, there's something important here. These accurate, these verses, or that verse in particular, accurately aligns the church in Rome, which was made up mainly of two converts, with what Paul was teaching the Gentiles in the Ephesian church. But it is in verse 17 of Romans 5 that we get to discover how we, um, how we can successfully do what Paul's referring to in 2.8 of Ephesians, where he wrote this again. We are his workmanship, a created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in it. This is what Romans 5, 17 states. For by one man's offence, we know that's Adam, death reigned, that is, death affected everyone from that moment on, spiritually and for human beings, thus, not just spiritually, but physically. Death was introduced. Through the one, but it says this much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Reign in life that's for our hearing today, church. Reign means to rule, to overcome, to succeed, to excel. That's what we are now. We are overcomers by grace, we were saved, by righteousness, we excel. 
It's not about our readiness or our qualifications. Don't worry. There's a song you sing, sing it today in the song. I saw those words come up. Don't worry if you don't have the right words to speak. The Holy yeah. Spirit will give you those words. Whatever you need, God will provide. If it's God's will, it's God's bill. Can I remind you about the five critical words in the declaration, Paul's declaration in verse 10? Again, five words that we all need to believe without doubt. For we are God's, we are his, sorry, workmanship. Yeah. What's that referring to? Throughout the Bible, we read many excellent word pictures describing what God thinks of us. They help us to understand what he really thinks of us, not only collectively, but individually. For each of his children, for you as individuals, each and every one of us, this is true. We are his poem. He takes a blank screen and he types a literary canon. We are his painting. He takes a blank canvas and turns it into chef dealer. He takes a sculpture. He chips away at a lump of rock until it becomes a phenomenal work. We are his masterpiece. He'll never leave us nor forsake us because we are his masterpiece. All glory to God. Come on, that surely deserves a shout. You. Come on. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.